Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Thank you, worship team, this morning. Great job. Great job in worship. Psalm 139, if you have your Bible, Psalm 139. I started this sermon series a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm not ending it today. It'll be the last one I preach uh, for a while. I've got one sermon left in this series I want to preach, and I'm going to preach it the last Sunday in the year. I saved it for December 31st for a reason, so I want to make sure, if all possible, you're here for that Sunday. Um, but uh, I'm going to take a couple weeks off for Christmas, sing a new song. I want to preach on this subject today, God is with you. See, I, I think we have sometimes just this fear and anxiety that we are alone as a child of God. Uh, we feel alone because maybe we feel like people aren't with us, and sometimes we feel alone, and we feel like God is not with us, right? There are times when you are, when you are in your prayer life and you feel like you're praying and God's not there. There are times you're trying to read your Bible, and while you're trying to read your Bible, you feel like God's not speaking to you, God's not hearing you, God's not with you, uh, whatever. There are times you get in a circumstance and you feel like God is not in this circumstance with me. Well, Psalm 139 tells us that God is with us. So I want to talk about that today, God being with us. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. There's this idea called risky shift phenomenon. Risky shift phenomenon. It was uh, coined, the term was coined by Dr. James Stoner in 1961. And here's what it means. I've got it on the screen. Here's what it means. Risky shift occurs when people change their decision or opinions to become more extreme and risky when acting as part of a group compared with acting individually. When acting as part of a group compared when acting individually, what does that mean? That people develop riskier opinions and they do riskier things when they have somebody with them. Now, if you've ever been a uh, 12-year-old boy or you've ever had a 12-year-old boy, you know this is true. A 12-year-old boy left to himself is fine. A group of 12-year-old boys is one of the most dangerous things on the planet. The more it, it, it exponentially increases, the more 12-year-old boys you add to the group, the more likely is somebody's going to the emergency room. Why? Because we're famous, right? We're famous for one 12-year-old boy saying to a pack of another 12-year-old boys, uh, Double dog dare you to do it. And that's what we say. They probably don't say that today. But I double dog. And so there's something about being dared in a group. Risky shift phenomenon kicks in and we can't help. We just do dumb stuff. We just do stupid stuff when it occurs. And that's because you're in a group. When you're in a group, you're more likely to become extreme and risky. Now, not only that, we learned that when you're in a group, you're more likely to solve a problem. A study in 1973 discovered this, that when pairs of individuals reach correct solutions 66% of the time, compared to only 44% of individuals working alone. So if you put two people working on a problem, you're more likely to get the problem solved than if somebody's working on it by themselves. So when you have help, 
we see a positive outcome, not just a negative. We saw it again in a study done of married couples showed that exercising with a partner increased, adds accountability to your routine and can make workouts last longer than workouts uh, alone. University of Aberdeen discovered that people who work out in pairs exercise more than those who fly solo. So we kind of see it both ways, right? We see when I've got somebody with me, I'm liable to be more stupid. But however, when I'm operating on my own, I'm more likely to accomplish something than when I'm trying to do it by myself. I can solve a problem when I have help. I can, uh, I, I'm more accountable when I'm doing something with someone. I, I learned this in my own life. I, I don't want to talk about me too much, but in, in, I always said I couldn't lose weight uh, because I traveled too much. I was on a plane every other week, and when May 2020 happened, or March 2020 happened, about May, I, I said I've lost my excuse. And so I decided to do keto. Now, keto just means you don't eat carbs. I'll simplify this and be done in 30 seconds. And uh, my excuse was always I travel. And I didn't have an excuse, and so not going anywhere. And so I said, I'm going to lose weight. But let me tell you why I was able to lose 50 pounds. You know why I was able to lose 50 pounds? Not because I did keto, but because my wife did it with me. My wife, who didn't need to lose weight, said, I'll eat keto with you. And when she did it with me, I had a partner, and it made me more likely to stick to it than if I were doing it all on my own. How, more, how much do you need somebody with you? Right? We all do better when somebody is with us. As a matter of fact, let me give you a simple test, and we know the answer before you do it. How more likely are you to accomplish something? Are you, A, more likely to accomplish something with no one watching, or B, more likely to skip it with no one watching, or C, are you more likely to do something, accomplish something when somebody's helping you? Well, we all know the answer. It's C, we're all more likely to get something done when somebody is with us, when we have the presence of someone else in our lives. And listen, God knows that is true. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Genesis and the creation story, it was God that looked at Adam and said, you know what, this dude's not going to do well on his own. And God talking to himself, the Trinity and the angels, and said, I, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a helper for him. Now, not helper in the form of a servant, but helper in the form of man needed somebody in his life that was going to push him farther and do more because of the presence of somebody else. Now, you may not be married. It may not be a husband or a wife, but here's what God wants to say to you today, that you are never alone, that if you are a child of God, God is with you. And there are all kinds of verses we can look at to see that. Psalm 16 says this, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. What a beautiful verse. I know the Lord is always with me. If you are a child of God, there's a reason we can let go of anxiety in our lives because the Lord is always with us. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago, Psalm 23. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you 
are with me. Again, a promise for the child of God that no matter what circumstance we get in, the Lord is there with us. How about this verse, Joshua 1.9? We, we're familiar with that. Of course, it was told to Joshua, but the principle is still the same. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. First Samuel chapter 17. The story of David, this whole assembly will know that it's not by sword or by spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. When I get in a hard situation that where I'm in righteousness, the Lord is there to fight my battles for me. And finally, in Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money. Now, that's an interesting start, but listen, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Here's what God is saying right there. I'm always with you. Don't fall in love with money. Money's not your answer. Money's not your solution. Listen, money is not your safety net in life. What is your safety net in life? God is. I will never leave you or abandon you. And now we have Psalm 139 that tells us the Lord is always with us. So I want to read that passage. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Psalm 139. We're going to read the entire chapter and I'll do it quickly. Psalm 139 verse 1. Psalm of David. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know me when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have inclined, encircled me, and you have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm a, I, I, I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even where your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Verse 13. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred and I consider them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to keep your Bibles open today. If I have time, we're going to flip over to a couple other verses. But I want to tell you four things that Psalm 139 tells us about the presence of the Lord or that God always being with us. Number one, I want you to know this, that the presence of God is always with you. 
The presence of God is always with you. Now, I want you to look back in your Bible. Look back at verses number one. It really, it goes on uh, much farther in verses one. It goes on through the first 12 verses. But Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts. You observe my travels. You know my words. Your hand is with me. Where can I go, verse seven, to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Here's what David was trying to tell us. That wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, not just where I go, um, uh, you know, in, in physical body, whatever circumstance I may find myself in, here's what David is trying to sell us. That wherever I go, whatever I think, whatever words are about to come out of my mouth, get this, there is no place to escape the presence of God. David is trying to tell us that there is no situation that separates us from God. That wherever you go, or get this, whatever happens, God's presence is always with you. Hear me this morning, church. I am never alone. You are never alone. The presence of the Lord is always near. Has it ever occurred to you that God doesn't have to go anywhere? God has never looked at your life and said, you know what, Joel's in a problem. Hey, Gabriel, see if we can get an Uber real quick and get down there to him. God's never done that. God's never said, you know what, man, that guy over in China, he's in trouble, good Christian trying to plant a church. Hey, see if we can get Delta tickets and get that. No, God doesn't have to go anywhere. One of the characteristics of God is omnipresence, which means God is everywhere all the time, which means wherever you are, The presence of God is always with you. That whatever circumstance you're in, the presence of God is always with you. And here's what David said. God is with you so much. We'll see it again in a moment. God is with you so much. He hears your words and he knows your thoughts and he knows the situation you're in. He knows the problems you have and whatever's going on in your life. You, if you're a child of God, you are never alone. God is always with you. Now, we're, we're used to that concept, right? We're used to that concept because we carry these things around. This thing's always with us. You say, but it doesn't know my thoughts. Ah. I mean, you've had it happen to you, right? You and your wife have your phones over here on the counter, off. Nobody's looking at the phone. And I'm like... I think we ought to vacation in Calcutta next year. I may buy a cowboy hat and see if they have any Chinese food when I get there. Open up Instagram, Facebook, Google, and they tell me the price of plane tickets to Calcutta. (laughs) Tell me where I can get a sale on cowboy hats and telling me where my nearest Olive Garden is. And we call them on it, man. We're like, hey, this is spooky. And they're like, no, we're not listening. They got their hands, behind, fingers crossed behind their backs. We're not listening. We promise we're not listening. But anyway, about that vacation about Calcutta, I think you can read our thoughts. There are times I've thought about going on vacation somewhere and started getting advertisements for it. I mean, you think, I don't know if I can wrap my mind around God knows is everywhere and knows all about me. Listen, 
if Apple is with me everywhere I go and knows all about me, I got no problem believing God is with me and everywhere I go and always with me. God is with me. His presence is always with me. What does that mean? That means no matter what situation I'm in, God is there. No matter what circumstance I'm in, God is there. No matter what difficulty I may encounter, no matter the darkness I may be in, no matter the bad place I've gotten myself, God is with you. I mean, just go go back and ask Daniel, right? Daniel, who wound up thrown in a lion's den, said, no problem. Uh, the Lord was with me all night long. Go ask his buddy, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace for their relationship with God. And that story is is so awesome because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace and the king sitting up there. And by the way, the people who threw them in were burned alive because they got close to the furnace. It was so hot. But the king is up there and said, hey, everybody come look at this. I see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, walking around playing games in the fire. But time out. I have another question. Didn't we just throw three people in the fire? Yes. Well, why am I seeing four? The fourth person in the fire was the presence of God that would not leave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, I'm telling you, no matter where you go, no matter what's going on in your life, you cannot flee from the presence of God. You cannot be away from the presence of God. Can I tell you that works both ways? That's both a hallelujah and an oh me. Right? Hey, I know we don't have time for this, but I want to do it anyway. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Jonah. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to need you to find your, find your Bible today. And if you don't know where the book of Jonah is, it's right after the book of Obadiah. <laughs> Let's see if that helps you. It's right before the book of Micah. And, and look, I don't have it on the screen. I just kind of worked this into my sermon if I had time. And I don't have time, but I'm working it anyway. Because I, I look, I, I just... Um, I saw this, I, I remembered this verse last night when I was going over my, my sermon, and, and I was reminded that the Lord's presence is always with me, and that's good and bad, right? For me. It's really always good for me, but there's a kind of a negative side to it as well when I'm not trying to do right. And you know the story of Jonah, right? God called him to go to Nineveh, preach to Nineveh. Nineveh is the largest city on the planet in all probability. At the time, there were hundreds of thousands of lost people in the city of Nineveh, and God wanted him to go preach to Nineveh so that um, people would get saved, you'd turn their hearts to God, and God wouldn't destroy the city like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, look, man, Jonah just bowed up against God and said, nah. And, and look at what the Bible says. Look at Jonah chapter one, look at verse number three. Jonah got up, to flee to Tarshish, look at this next phrase, from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down to go into it with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Verse number four, but the Lord. Now, I love this about Jonah. Jonah's like, I'm not going to do the will of God. You can't talk me into the will of God. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run from God, and I'm going to go out on a ship, and I'm going to go down to the bottom of the ship, and I'm going to take this ship out in the middle of nowhere. I'll be a speck in the ocean, and God will not find me. I will flee from the presence of the Lord. In verse number four, that all happened in verse number three. Verse number four, the Bible says, but the Lord. Why? 
Because the presence of God is always with you. Listen, if you're right with God, that ought to be a hallelujah. If you're wrong with God, that ought to be an oh me. When I go to do that sin, I don't leave the Lord behind. If I'm a child of God, the Lord is always with me. But when I get in a situation not of my own making, and I get in the darkness of Psalm 23, verse 4, when I get in a difficult situation and I find myself lonely and maybe nobody else is standing with me, here's what David was trying to say. David was trying to say, I've been in that situation where nobody's been with me. I've been in that situation where I was all alone. I've been in that situation where everybody had abandoned me. But David said, but the Lord. But the Lord. Even this morning, I don't care what may be going on in your life. I don't care how bad it may seem. I don't care how lonely you may feel. God is always with you. The presence of God is always with you. Number two, let me tell you this. The purpose of God is always behind you. The purpose of God is always behind you. Beginning in verse number 13. Matter of fact, let me, let me, let me look over at verse 13. Verse number 13. He said this, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together. Now that word created there, same word used in Genesis chapter 1. God created us from nothing. But listen, the word knit there is such a beautiful word. It means to weave together line by line, stitch by stitch. God has knit us together line by line, stitch by stitch. Can we say it this way? Sail by sail. In verse number 14, I'll praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Fearfully, awesomely, miraculously made. All of that indicating that the divine plan and purpose of God is always behind me, urging me onward. What do you mean, preacher? You are no accident. You do have a purpose. You are an expertly woven creation by God with a purpose in all of God's creation. Every child of God has a purpose from Almighty God. Now, I can't tell you every man's creation has a purpose, right? There's some things we see them and, and, and they don't have a purpose, um, the Lord's prepared everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Let, let, me, let, me, let me show you some things that, that don't have a purpose. Now, go, go full screen on that. Uh, look, it's got a peephole and a glass door. I, I don't think that thing has a purpose, right? H how about this one? How many of you have ever played golf? Can I see your hand? You ever played golf? So how valuable would this be? A camouflage golf ball. I can't find my bright orange and bright yellow ones as it is. The last thing I need is my golf ball hiding from me. I love this one. It's a barricade. <laughs> Not sure this has a purpose right here. What I'm about to show you actually came out. It's actually a product that came out years ago. You're going to be shocked it didn't make it. Diet water. It didn't make it. it didn't make, I guess it just didn't taste good or whatever, but uh, they took all the calories out of the water uh, and didn't taste good. And finally, oh, no, let me give two more. How about this? A an escalator that went into the wall. Somebody's not a construction genius there, 
and then finally, this is my favorite one. Um, and look, I know people have allergies. I get all that. My grandkids play But still, this product contains peanuts. <laughs> right? Probably the most unnecessary sign on the planet. This product contains peanuts. There are some purposeless things. There are some pointless things, but you are not one of those. You have a purpose designed by God. That is, your purpose is to know God. Your purpose is to serve God. Your purpose is to live for others. Your purpose is to make a kingdom impact. You have a specific purpose that you will weave together in the womb by God for you to fulfill. And if you are a child of God, hear me, you can't ever say, well, the world doesn't care if I'm here. No, God cares. God cares. The purpose of God is always behind you. Number three, let me tell you this. The pity of God is always beside you. Verses 17 and 18, it takes an interesting turn. Verse 17, he says, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted your thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. David said, the thoughts of God towards me, towards me, are more numerous than the grains of sand on earth. Now, commentators will tell you that when you start talking about the thoughts of God there, what he's talking about is what I term the pity of God. The compassion of God is always with you. Why is that? Because David was letting us know that God is always thinking about us. God is all, always has us on his mind. That God is never not thinking about us, which means the Lord's compassion and care are always around me. Do you know this? You are never off the Lord's mind. Can you imagine that? You are never off the Lord's mind. Science will tell us that the average human being has 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And that 70% of those on average are negative. So if you're 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, Somewhere around 40,000 of those are negative thoughts. Do you find that hard to believe? I don't. I have that many negative thoughts about the University of Tennessee every day of my life. <laughs> we, we were at Jonathan's yesterday with some friends. They'll be, they'll be here in another service. We were at Jonathan's yesterday with some friends, and apparently Jonathan's Grill, it was college T-shirt day. And the guy that came up and took our order, all, of, all the waiters and waitresses were wearing college T-shirts or sweatshirts, and the waiter that came up to take our order went to Georgia uh, shirt and I was like hey man you're wearing the right shirt go dogs he's like yeah go dogs and we all ordered and everybody at the table is a dog fan and and so they come to bring my salad to me and the ugliest orange t-shirted thing came out to hand me my salad and she started to put it down on the table and I said hey I, I'm not kidding I said hey get that thing no 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 where's that Georgia boy at I will not accept food from somebody wearing that ugly orange t-shirt And bless her heart, she started walking away. I said, well, no, I'm kidding. I want to eat. Can bring it back. But she, next time our Georgia boy came over, he said, I apologize. 
that that Tennessee t-shirt came over here. And I'm like, my wife went, she went back and told you that? And he's like, yeah, she came back and told me that. Um, come to Peavine. Anyway, uh, um, listen, we ourselves, we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Can you imagine God? God who has all the thoughts all the time, but yet they're all positive and you are never off his mind. Can I let you in on a little secret this morning? God, Jesus Christ himself, cannot stop thinking about you. What a, what a, what a mind-blowing realization it is that he is always concerned about you he is always caring about you he is always seeking your good he never forgets where you are or what's going on in your life what joy that ought to bring now what should that drive me to do knowing that God is always thinking about me knowing that God is always concerned about me what should that drive me to do I'll tell you what I'll drive you to do that ought to drive you to bow your head in prayer at a moment's notice you ever feel like God's not hearing your prayers, not answering your prayers? Listen, you're never off his mind. God is in heaven right now thinking about you. You say, well, how can he be thinking about all of us at the same time? Because he's God, that's why. God's not having to say, hey, hey, Gabriel, help me keep up. Put that spreadsheet down for me. I got three seconds for Joel today and I got three for Sherry and somebody else in a bad time I'll give him for it. No, God's God. God can think about you all of the time and you're always on his mind and it's always for your good. And that ought to encourage you to fall down on your knees somewhere and bow your head and say, dear Lord, if I'm always on your mind, hear my prayer. What does it mean God's always with you? Let me show you the fourth thing. It means number four, that the path of God is always before you. He starts talking about that in verse 19 all the way down through the rest of the chapter. He gets down to the bottom of it, verse 23, and he says, Search me, O God. Know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Search me, O God. Explore my heart. Explore my life. Know my concerns. Look at my anxieties, God. See if I'm offensive to you, sinful to you, pain, causing you pain, harmful to the kingdom of Christ in any way. Why, why is David ending that way? Because of the last phrase in the chapter. Lead me in the everlasting way. Here, here's what David is trying to say. He's saying, God, I want you to search my entire heart. I want you to search my entire life. And I want you to make sure that I am on the designated path that you have laid out for me to follow. God, I want to be in your will. God, I want to be on your path. God, I want to be following your ways. I want to be 
part of your plan. Lord, see if there's anything that's leading me off the path God has for me. We see that in other places. Now, look, I know uh, I'm Jeremiah. I'm taking it out of context, but I believe the principle applies. For I know the plans I have for you. That is the Lord's declaration. Jeremiah kept saying it over and over. God, you had a plan for me before I was born. But we see it again in Hebrews chapter 12. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who before the joy that was laid before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what we know. God had a plan for Jesus Christ himself. A joyful plan that included the cross. And he has that same plan for us. God has a path for you to walk in. And hear what I'm about to say. God has a path for you to walk in. Here's the part you got to get. Hang on. It is the best path for your life. Whatever the path is, the path of God is the best path for you. Close your Bibles. I'm, I'm finished. came across my new feed, news feed the other day. It was a uh, video by Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, but he does interesting videos. I, I'm not on TikTok, but I saw, saw it on the news feed where he talked about the number of combinations that are in a deck of cards, 52 cards. Here's what he... Here's what he said in there. I got lost in this, but that's how overwhelming it is. He said you could gather one trillion people. That's more than's ever lived on the planet. Give each a deck of cards. Tell them to shuffle it one trillion times per second. One trillion people shuffling one trillion times a second and let that happen across one trillion universes. And a deck of cards shuffled right now would only have a 40% chance of matching any other deck that had been shuffled. A trillion people shuffling a trillion times a second for a trillion years across a trillion universes. In all probability, you'd lose the bet. What does that number look like? There's the number. You say it's too small for me to see. Doesn't matter. You don't know what the number is anyway. It's what we call a big old number. Just put it in perspective. Billions are right here. Trillions are right here. I don't even know what comes next. I have no idea what this number is. That's the number. That's the number of combinations for a deck of cards. Hang with me for a second. the number of combinations for your life would dwarf that. I mean, one decision here and one decision there. One word here, one word there. One thing here, one thing there. There are more than 52 combinations for that of how your life could turn out. And of all of that, here's what I want you to hear. God would say, hey, don't worry about that. I have laid out a path for you. Of all of those combinations that could 
get you in trouble, that could cause you heartache, that could ruin your life. God says, I've got this. I'm with you. I've laid out a path for you. Here's all we have to do. I can ignore that number. You know what I do? Just follow where God is leading my life. If you'll just follow where God is leading your life and you say, you prayed what David prayed. Search me, oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Why was David praying that? Because he wanted to be led in the path of God. Which ought to be your prayer. Lord, of all the ways I could mess this up, don't let me do it. Let me stay on the path God has for me. Would you stand with me around the room? Rossville, Dalton, stand with us wherever you may be. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. And, and maybe the most important thing you heard this morning and the thing that God wanted you to hear this morning is you're not alone. You're not alone. God is with you through uh, on your mountaintops and in your valleys. And um, sometimes we, we know that, uh, but sometimes we need to be reminded, especially during this holiday season. For you, maybe you do feel alone. And maybe you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And maybe today you need to give your heart and your life to Christ. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and your sin has separated you from God. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again, paying the penalty for my sin and for your sin. And then thirdly, you have to confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you want to give your heart and life to Christ, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, paying the penalty for my sin. And Lord, right now, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you uh, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so if you would, pull out your phone and um, text just your name to the number 423-800-1871. Um, that is my cell phone number and uh, that'll come directly to me and um, I'll connect with you this week. As always, it has been fantastic to worship together. I look forward to these times uh, with you each week. I hope that you have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.